0: Welcome to The Common Bridge, where policy and current events are discussed in a fiercely nonpartisan manner. The host, Richard Helpie, is a philanthropist, entrepreneur, and columnist who has over a million listeners around the world. His podcast and YouTube show draws guests and audiences across the political spectrum.
1: So, Rich, I've got you away from your daily routine because I've got the mailbag questions. Are our uh, oh our listeners and our watchers have a lot to ask you about, and so let's see what we can do
0: all right well, I hope everyone understands I'm not the expert, but the people that the guests that have been on our show now they're the ones that really know what's what all right um
1: fair enough but fair enough um but I think this will be fun I gotta start out with this one though because these two things kind of wrap together and I apologize if I'm going newsworthy at this time but Steve Bannon just got indicted and he had his own TV show in front of his in front of his house when he got you know, sent up to uh, to be arrested, I guess, about January 6th. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, well look, it, January 6th has to be absolutely thoroughly vetted. You know, you don't want people running around inside the Capitol threatening the vice president's life. Um, trying to interfere with the counting of the electoral votes. I'm trying to think of a reason you'd want to do that. And anything I can think of didn't happen this time. Um, And, you know, there's no justification. It doesn't matter what happened over the summer elsewhere. One of the hallmarks of a constitutional republic is the peaceful transfer of power. And uh, as disappointing as it is to lose an election, you know, you lose, you You congratulate the victor, and you say, you know, I'll pledge to support you for the good of the, well, in this case, the whole country. And to me, the January 6th basically just is yet one more chapter in this horrible novel or book that we're living. It's a partisan divide. You know, you, you could see the country literally cleave on people that said, oh yeah, they should have been in there and and other people are just horrified by it. And there's such a distrust of the other side. And, and by the way, both of the two major parties have earned the distrust. But you know, to have a sitting president of the United States for months go on about, oh, the only way I can lose is if, if it's uh, an unfair election and so forth, and then egg people on and then go, oh, what? I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> it's just not a believable story. And if Steve Bannon's a witness that can you know, shed light on what led up to it and how we can avoid this and punish those that are responsible, according to the law, you know, we need to do that. The only reason this is even controversial, in my humble estimation, is that neither of the political parties has much credibility left outside of their most ardent supporters. And certainly there's a long litany of absolute horrible reporting uh, that continues to spew out that just adds gasoline to the fire. People don't know who to trust. So anyway, yeah, th- this is a, a really sad chapter and one you think we could agree on in some form of All right. Uh, Carrie from
1: Saratoga Springs uh, writes asking, what are your thoughts about the Virginia governor's race? And and does that pretend anything coming or portend anything coming in the next year?
0: Well, you know, look, it's like, I think it pretends something the next you know four years for people that live in Virginia. I don't know that it means a lot for the rest of the country. People always trying to try to extrapolate it and say it means something else. I would imagine if you asked Virginians, there's a lot of reasons people went to the polls and a lot of reasons people voted for Mr. McAuliffe. A lot of people have different reasons for voting for Mr. Youngkin. And again, I just wish we were at a place where people would congratulate the winner and let's move on. Let's try to run a good state. All
1: right. And how do you think, do you think Youngkin makes a good uh, or a viable Republican candidate in 24? Oh, that's
0: just way too early to talk about that. Uh, but certainly we couldn't do any worse than the last two times around From if you're a Republican. That's interesting, though, because
1: you've got two different readers that asked uh, that they wanted to know what your thoughts were. If um, whoever, if anybody but Trump can go into 2024 without his blessings and win, or do they think that you can't make it out of the primaries? You think you probably can win the uh, the general,
0: but how do they get out of the primaries without his blessing? Okay, look, this is not going to be a electoral strategy answer. It's going to be a common sense answer that it's kind of people are just afraid to say. The only thing to do is cut Donald Trump loose. Uh, if you looked at the guy's behavior, he's your friend until he gets his feelings hurt and then he, he turns any he, and he guns at people. Yeah. You, you know, he's done it over and over again. And if I was a candidate, I, I'd say, you know, I, I don't don't want, don't need your endorsement. If you want to give it to me, fine. But I'm not going to be beholden to a loose cannon like Donald Trump. And, and I think it really plays to, you know, what I call stupid political tricks on the part of the Republicans that are tiptoeing around the guy for the sole reason that, well, he has a following and not understanding the reason he has a following is that the Republican establishment was not delivering. And, and of course, in 16, the Democrats delivered the establishment candidate. That's the only reason the guy's there. And so I'm saying if you're a Republican candidate and you're qualified for your office, I think you should make your case about why you're qualified. But it would be insanity to try to play it to get Donald Trump's endorsement. If the majority of Republican candidates would just take that tack, not kissing his ring or other thing, then Donald Trump would have zero impact on the election. Okay, he belongs, he's a footnote to history. You would say that they could disregard
1: his base because there's a whole bunch of people out there that want that will do whatever Trump tells them. Doesn't matter what the candidates
0: are saying. they just I'm a Trump guy. Let me make this observation. Trump would be president today if he expanded his base all right he had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to act like a competent executive or at least a reasonable human being at least somebody that's a public servant versus playing for himself he had chances over and over again it'd be insane to expect him to behave himself because think if you're a candidate for i don't care governor president of the united states senator it doesn't matter and you go get his endorsement, number one, you've just handed the other side a great attack surface, which is, you know, fairly effective. Uh, Hey, that's just the next Trump. You don't want more Trump. And also at any second on a whim, he could pull the support. And now you've got nothing. You've got worse than nothing. I would encourage Republicans have some backbone for once and like just try to govern. Yeah, no, that that, that appears that's what that's what
1: it appears Christie is doing right now. I know he's got a book coming out, but he has hit the he's hit the uh, the interview trails this week. And he seems to be the first one to separate himself from Trump or try to. So see how that goes. Right.
0: Chris Christie's a, you know, political animal. He he, uh, has had his own issues. I don't think he's viable as a national candidate, but who knows? I mean, Michelle from Arlington writes, do you think,
1: and this is kind of an interesting, she puts a note in that you seem to be, you love this, a great finance guy. Do you think there's a relationship between inflation and the supply chain? And is this a, she says, is this a different inflation than what you've seen over the years?
0: Uh, Okay. So first of all, I, I have had some experience and I've had a long business career and I've seen a lot, but I'd also encourage everybody to, you know, read good economic reports, study the data. And, you know, actually you can watch the finance channels. There's a lot of entertainment on there and they they wrap in uh, some politics, but ultimately it has to come down to numbers. I think this is a different inflation than what we've seen in the past because it is a liquidity fueled inflation coupled with an absolute train wreck In the supply chain, no pun intended. (laughs) By the way, on this on the train wreck. If you remember early on in the pandemic, one of the first guests we went out and got was Bill Michaels, Uh who is a worldwide respected expert on supply chain. And you know the theory was, hey, something bad's going to happen. You can't take all these trucks off the road and not let people go into warehouses to work, put ships into dock without there being issues downstream. So look where we're at today, we can't get goods to market. All right? That's a that's a fact. If there was a, a 60 minutes actually did a, a pretty nice piece on trying to call out some of the piece parts in, in in the supply chain. So that means now that all this liquidity that's out there, those dollars are chasing the the remaining available goods. Everybody remembers our Econ 101 class the definition of inflation is too many dollars chasing too few goods. Okay, so what happens in that, in classic economics? Well, the price gets raised, so the value of all that extra stimulus starts to come down. And then what happens, eventually people go, you know what, if it's a non-essential purchase, right, you know, I'm out, I'm not going to buy. Now demand sinks, now prices sink, and now we'll have the opposite challenge of deflation. So, I mean, we're in for a very, very wild ride here. I'd also encourage people to keep an eye on what individual companies are doing. Are they adding staff? Or are they cutting staff? Three great examples uh, this past week where GE, Toshiba, and Johnson & Johnson effectively broke themselves up. You remember the 80s and the corporate raiders that the Raiders decided that these businesses were worth a lot more in pieces than they were together, and so if you think about what those three companies, GE, Toshiba, and J and J, have done, they're getting ahead of the curve. They're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get broken up by somebody. Let's do it to ourselves and have individual businesses. So it's gonna we're in for a very challenging economy. I would encourage people: if you have a job, keep it. Uh, live below your means and be alert it's it's going to be a wild ride coming up and if just one cap on this in the event that the supply chain disruption prices people out of the market and demand drops the tool of cutting interest rates is gone okay and the tool of raising interest rates to halt the inflation is is not going to have the same effect Uh, that it had back in the 80s rich and this one's from me
1: uh when do you think this starts affecting uh the 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 s p because it seems that hasn't taken a dive yet is that a um, a lagging indicator or is it when does that happen if this is all coming to bear
0: economic history has piles of people um on the dust heap (laughs) trying to predict the movements of the stock market okay (laughs) so there's no such thing as a successful market timer. Uh, maybe you get lucky here, you get lucky there. Okay, But right now, the stock market's very frothy. The multiple, I think, is at t- trading at a 25X versus a historical 17X. And the it's, it's not sustainable. It's kind of a game of chicken right now. Oh. A, a lot of, uh, I, don't, I don't want to say lemming-like behavior, but more like sheep-like behavior. Uh, nobody wants to be the last person out of a declining market. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to get some wild corrections. You know, my advice would be uh, talk to your financial advisor, stay diversified, and try to stay in, in solid investments that you understand. So today is November
1: the 17th. Kyle Rittenhouse jury is still in deliberations as we speak. And the reason I say that is because by time you and I air this, uh, things will probably be different um, what are your thoughts on how that went for the defense? I mean, you, you had a great guest last week in uh, attorney Wolfgang Mueller, um, but what are your thoughts since then about what you've seen and just with your gut reaction?
0: Well, you know, in terms of how the trial is going to turn out, I, I think it could go either way. And I did watch a good portion of the uh, testimony and saw a lot of the video. And of course, uh, Wolfgang Mueller was uh, very um, instructive and, you know, you look look at this, but Here's the sad part of this. Well, there's a lot of things to be sad about, obviously. Loss of life, uh, destruction of a city, um, uh, a young man in the crosshairs for the rest of his life. The country, again, polarized. You have people cheering today because their tribe, and I use that term per- very purposely, this, they don't care really about anything else other than their side winning, okay? Defeat the other. Members of certain tribes, they want young Rittenhouse put away for life. There are other tribes that want him to walk free and, in fact, may even elevate him to a hero-type status. And there are politicians and so-called reporting organizations on both sides of that divide uh, championing that and brazenly leaving out key facts in reporting Mm -hmm. right, in order to inflame or persuade that side. And so I'm just like, what's not there? No one is saying, you know, I just want to see justice served. And that's where I come down is I don't know the law and only the jury heard all of the testimony, saw all the evidence, watched all the video, heard all the persuasion and had the instructions in the law from the judge, we need to trust the jury to render a verdict, or in this case, I guess, multiple verdicts, and accept the outcome. The notion that we're going to threaten jurors, the notion that somehow it was rigged one way or the other. Nobody has a complete set of information other than the jurors. And I, I would say, you know, let's hope for justice here. And l- give those people that are in a very difficult position our support and their opportunity to do what all citizens should be willing to do, and that's you know, to be a, a jury of the peers and, and let's try, let's hope for justice. Okay. And let's accept the
1: outcome. So uh Diane from Carthage, and this just says Carthage here, I'm not there's a lot of different Carthages anyway. She's talking about service and she wants to know if you think that even um, being on city council, being on a school board, uh, being on a jury, we just kind of led into that is now fraught with danger because of threats. And, you know, especially with juries and uh, uh, judges now, it, it, Well, they get paid, but just simple things like I want to I be on my school board or I want to be on city council. Is it worth it anymore? Is it worth it? And if it's not worth it, does that then get extremism on those boards because they're the ones that
0: are going to scream the hardest? And that's from Diane and Carthage. I think that you know, public service is a solemn duty. Whether it's a jury, it's a school board, it's a, a PTA, it's a you know, make your neighborhood beautiful. That's really what makes a a city, a state, a nation is that sum total of participation uh, by actual citizens. When there's agenda-driven policies that don't fit what people understand the facts to be, that's when people are going to be very upset. Now, I think it's not borne out that we need to call people that get angry in school board meetings terrorists. I've been in plenty of school board meetings where people get very emotional. It's about your kids, it's about your community, and they simply want answers. And, and the times it gets most testy is when people feel like the resources of the school system in this case, or in these cases, uh, are being diverted to something other than the education of children, or people are using it to drive an agenda. I think people should continue to serve. I think they should continue to be supportive. But remember that the school board, the PTA, they serve at the pleasure of their constituencies. And again, most people just want to get their kids educated in the best way so they can have reading comprehension, do computation, and be able to communicate and have familiarity with the technologies of the day. Now, they also have to have a sense of history and a sense of who the country is. And this is where we have the most controversy, that history is always being examined. There's always different angles. You know, take, for example, the Kennedy assassination, right? People are still writing about what really happened. And what did Jim Garrison do, and so forth. Just kind of as a sidebar, think if the Kennedy assassination had happened today. We had, we had this one little piece of eight millimeter film, right? Think of how many cell phones would have been out there. Yeah, it'd be amazing. There'd be a thousand supporters. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it would have been. But anyway, history is always being examined. And I think we should continue to examine our history. And we should face up to things we've done well, things we haven't done well, and try to move forward. To me, the key to move forward, though, is not, you did X to my ancestors, so now we're going to do this to your heirs. That's insane. It's, okay, how do we move forward together? We're all here together at this point. What should we be doing? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to jump off into some of these extreme cases If my daughter or granddaughter was assaulted by anybody and the school board didn't acknowledge it, yeah, they'd have a problem with me. And that's not right wing. That's not left wing. That's not partisan. That is your job as a school board is to make sure that the children have a safe place to go to school
1: period. Right. There's a thought out there though. And and let's, let's move away from school boards because she's asking out a lot of different, you know, just service in general, but there's a thought out there that smart community people and, you know, good-minded successful business people who you would want to have on these decision-making councils, whether it's it's city council or PTA or school board are going to shy away from serving. And in that vacuum will be the people who scream the loudest and and that could go right or left. I think that's nonpartisan
0: remember that if it's not in your community, the filter that you're getting is coming from a reporting organization that is designed to inflame you is designed to feed your partisanship one way or the other yeah right so it's it's really hard to you know render judgment on a, a distant school war in a distant state someplace right
1: well, this um, uh, this is a nice feed in Rich. So last week or two weeks ago, when the infrastructure bill was passed, the one that was bipartisan passed in that there were 18 Republicans that signed on to that. I think it was Upton from Michigan released phone messages that he had he had received from people who were going to kill his family, make sure that their families were killed because as a Republican, he gave Biden a win. It wasn't about the policy because it was just he gave Biden a win before a, rep- a Republican could get that win. That's kind of a, you know, it's a little bit of an extension of what we're talking about. At what point is, if did you go, do you go too far with that kind of stuff?
0: Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, that's obviously too far. And thankfully, with the technologies we have today, the person can probably be apprehended. Although. I would imagine most public figures get nutcases, writing and calling them all the time, Mm -hmm. and they do get threats. And I I don't want to say shouldn't be, you know, the barking dogs don't bite, but that's the one that that got shows. We're going to go publicize that one. It's a tragedy that we get any of them, but I I don't think that really sets the tone. I think the bigger issue is (laughs) it's indisputable that we need roads. We need bridges we need ports okay come on i mean you everybody can see what's going on in long beach los angeles san pedro we can't get the ships into port because we, our docking facilities are so old and if you look at the terminology in the reporting it was republican defectors it's like what yeah. i mean the, the, who are they defecting <laughs> from I, it's and and uh, the, the notion that Oh, we don't want to give Biden a win. It's like, what? It's, it's so I kind of say, okay, if, if Biden gets a win, who got the loss? Hey, that's a Republican bridge or a Democrat bridge. I mean, no, we're all going to drive over the bridge for Pete's sake. And so this hyper partisan about opposing a president on the same bill that you would have championed had that person been a member of your party. And by the way, the reverse of that's true it shows how broken our system is, because it's not about my tribe winning, your tribe winning, or your favorite reporter makes you feel good because they affirm you. It's we're supposed to be working together on things that are common, like a common bridge. Yeah, I was just thought I would try that play. Yeah, well over done. There. Um, okay. Yeah. You
1: you should, you were know, you, you're the professional comic. You do <laughs> okay. Times. So this one's from our home state. This is Tim from St. Marie wants to know with supply chain troubles we're having, it, do you think that this will spur more manufacturing in the United States that has been set, since been pushed uh, overseas? He, he wants to know if it'll come back. That's interesting coming from the mining. Well, Sault Ste. Marie is not so much mining, but Upper Peninsula. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Well, you know they're not far from the iron mines in. Uh, You know, Hibbing and uh, Nevelith, Minnesota, where the locals up there want to reopen the mines. I I think the country would be far better off if we used more of our own resources and built more of our own products. I think people can see that today. There is going to be an international trading system, of course. We were doing pretty well pre-pandemic about reshoring jobs and reshoring. Manufacturing and that seems to have gone by the wayside. I don't hear it talked about much as a priority, and it's it's an uphill battle to start a business these days. And you know, if you do start one, you know, can you get supply and and can you get labor? Yeah, labor would be um, a big one. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, labor. The, the, look, there is a clearing price for everything, and when the wages are such that it makes sense to get back to work, people will get back to work. They pre-pandemic. As wages were rising, the more and more people came into the workforce because they felt it was worth it. And that's just basic economics in about the third or fourth
1: episode of your show, and we're going back a couple of years now, but you said we're talking about minimum wage at that point, the the argument was fifteen dollars an hour, which everybody went, oh my gosh, you said, that number is more like $26 an hour if you want to yeah. make it, you know, buy a home much, and things yep. like that. I was shocked at that number. And now I'm looking at signing bonuses of $3,000, hourly wages of $17 to $21 an hour. We're getting right into your wheelhouse there. You know, well done, first of all. I didn't see that. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that?
0: It's arithmetic. And yeah, I had, you know, large payrolls and there's a, you know, to obtain top talent. And to retain that top talent, uh, there's a cost uh, of doing that. And people have to feel like they're advancing economically. And I, as, as I've said often, you know, if somebody decides to live in a tent or in a van or in an RV, it's not, you know, not necessarily an irrational decision. Uh, you know, with the median price of a home in Los Angeles County, I, I don't hold me to this, but I think it's around $700,000. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah and so you've got to, and now you got to come up post- Great Recession, you've got to come up with 20% down payment. And then you've got to make those payments. And you've got to do it in the tax climate that California has. Wages are part of it. Purchasing power is the other part of it. And that can only be achieved through good tax policy. And it can only be achieved through good businesses producing good wages. Part of my experience was the 1960s, 1970s automotive, where Uh, U.S. car makers were king. Those were great middle-class lives uh, just for being part of Ford, General Motors, or Chrysler Corporation, and American Motors even, uh, until they folded in. Today, when you look at the biggest companies in the world, what kind of jobs are being created that make middle-class standard of living for Amazon workers or Facebook or Google and so forth? And we've all heard the stories about the you know, Google employees that can't afford to live in the communities that they that they go to work in. We have work to do on the wage front. We have work to do on the spending power. And there's a role in there for government. And I, and I wish they would get going on the antitrust measures that the, the big players uh, definitely need applied to them. You know, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Apple, uh, certainly Facebook, Twitter. These are platforms that have tremendous amount of control and a tremendous amount of information. And they are subject to being controlled. They they need to be broken into multiple companies, period. And Early in your business. I don't know. Would that be a win for Biden? Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, Republicans, get, a, get off your butt and support this. Yeah. You asked about, you know, wins for presidents. If you go back to 1994, uh, Bill Clinton and Newt Gingrich collaborated on the, you know, 10 items in the contract with America. Clinton was a smart politician. He figured out which way the political winds were blowing and decided to work with Newt Gingrich. And Newt Gingrich did care that he gave a, quote, win to President Clinton. They got work done. Yeah. Okay. Now you can have your views on whether it was good policy or not but they were doing what government's supposed to do. And now here we are, not that many years later, we finally at long last get an infrastructure bill through and people are going, well, that was horrible because it was a win for Biden. Just shut up. All but you 18 Republicans, there's a saying, S-T-F-U. Okay, figure (laughs) it
1: out. All right, so I'm going to pull a club out of your golf bag to finish finish this up. Is there anything that we didn't talk about today that you think we should (laughs) have? (laughs)
0: Well, you know something, Brian, I look at big items, right? And one of the things I think that's a real threat to the Republic and a threat to people's peace of mind is to be constantly evaluated by their ancestral heritage. You check the box, according to 23andMe, I'm an indigenous person, and those are facts. If you follow University of Maryland, just said, well, they're going to have admission policies to promote people of color but Asians, you don't count. We're, we're making you white. I'm going, Okay. That's an interesting. Cut on that because I'm thinking, all right, what minority group, you know, in this century were interred in caps. Hmm. That would have been the Japanese, right? <laughs> right, right. And, and, and all, you know, remember the, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, the anti-Asian attacks, right? Yeah. But now, Hey, you know what? You're, but your grade points are too good. So yeah, you're not going to be a minority anymore. Yet at the same time, the mayor of Boston, Ms. Wu, is heralded as the first person of color, first woman of color to be the mayor of Boston. Now, if she had applied to Harvard (laughs) or the University of Maryland... She's not a person, but as mayor, she is. Like, can we all just be human beings for a bit? Um, all right, and I I could do this all day long, Brian. I mean, I, I, this is uh, um, this is where we have to get off this notion of you are what your ancestral heritage is. I think it's really interesting, I think it makes us a great country. You know what I what little I understand about genetics. You know, strong traits come out. You get beautiful people because of our mixing and and such. And and I think it's really it's a false dichotomy that we're being driven into. Team red, team blue, and listen to this, listen to that. Epitats are all well, they listen to that news. Okay, what? Well, but it's the only way to get the whole picture is you got to listen to both of them. That's right. And P.S. Do it before seven o'clock at night because it gets crazy after that. Um, <laughs> It's all entertainment at that point. All right. I'm sorry, what was the the question? Was there anything else we need to (laughs) talk about? I just want to thank my listeners and viewers. Thank you for indulging me this uh, solo shot. We are going to have guests coming up uh, to talk about the the media model of the country today. We're going to talk about the mental health crisis. We're going to talk more about COVID and vaccines and all the unknowns and new things that we're discovering in treatments. And again, that's another thing that's been weirdly divided over political lines. It's a new virus, right? Coronavirus, it's new, and treatments are new, and we're discovering what works, what doesn't work, and we're gathering that information, but we have people that wanna shut out things that don't fit their narrative. It's okay to say, you know what, we did the best we could based on the information we had at the time, turned out not to be the case. Okay, this is not that hard. Well, thanks for sitting down. I know you're busy.
1: We'll do this again soon. We should do this more often. The mailbag is great. That's just, that's fantastic. Yeah, well, I appreciate,
0: I appreciate people (laughs) communicating and uh, uh, I want to see the, I I know I don't want to see the questions. No, you don't want to see them in advance. (laughs) All right, Rich. Well,
1: thanks a lot. And we'll see you next time. Mighty fine. Thanks, Brian. So long.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Common Bridge. Remember to rate us, review us, and comment about what you heard today and recommend us to your friends. Visit us at richardhelpy.com and sign up for special promotions. This broadcast was produced by Stunt3 Media and is available on YouTube and all podcast directories. All rights are reserved by Richard Helby.